The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It's eight minutes after eight here on AM Live. And on the forum this morning, we are hosting very controversial person this morning. <laughs> uh, a woo, man, woman, you know, I'm not quite sure. Uh, we'll try and find out. But uh, obviously, he's brought rays of sunshine to South Africa with his laughter, his sharp wit. And it's not today. This started during the deep, dark days of apartheid. And yet today, South African audiences still love and revere him. Or is it her? Both. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and if you were wondering, this morning we're in conversation with Peter Dirk Ace, also known as Tani Ivita Besaidenot. Now, I must say, I, I, I was expecting Tani to walk in. You know, Tani Ivita is now in Latuli House. She is very, very busy putting the ANC on a diet, especially the cabinet, because she feels if she doesn't do it, Tim Noakes will do it, give them all fat, <laughs> and then they all die in their tracks. And so she hopes that soon we'll see members of cabinet fitting into economy class seats on SAA. <laughs> so she will send you her love. She might pop in just now, but at the moment, the Tani Werk Hart. <laughs> but what does Tani know about, uh, you know, good diets? Oh, Tani's sh- forever giving out cook sisters and all sorts of unhealthy stuff that actually do make you fat. Well, you know, cook sister is not unhealthy. It's called bribes. <laughs> You give somebody a cook sister and they let you off a traffic fine. Oh, they do? <laughs> oh, yes, darling, it works. Oh, okay, now I know. I'll stock up. And, um, of course, I hope she brings me some of those uh, famous cook sisters I'm when sure she, she does will. come in later on. But, Peter Dirk Ace, you know, absolute pleasure speaking to you this morning. And, um, as I say, growing up, you were there. And uh, even though most of the time uh, when I was still young, I couldn't quite understand what you were all about, but you were there and someone, a figure who always intrigued uh, myself and I'm sure many South Africans as well. But who is Peter Dirk Ace? Where did he come from? Well, let me put it this way. I'm a very much a Cape creature. I was bought, uh, built, uh, I grew up in Pinelands, which is a lovely little leafy suburb. Um, and uh, Langa is just next door to Pinelands. And once I became very good friends with Toko Nchinga, a great actress and a wonderful inspiration for me. Um, she was in Langa, I was in Pinelands. We were separated by a train line, a fence, and apartheid. And she taught me so much about the fact that one has to go beyond the fear of what is around us today. And I think a sense of humor is something that really intrigued me from an early age. I mean, growing up with an Afrikaans father, who was a fabulous man, a very, very nice, funny, warm a musician, pianist. My mother a, from Berlin, uh, also a concert pianist, so I grew up with music. Mozart was my best friend. I didn't know he was dead. <laughs> How can he be dead? The music is still there. And, you know, when I think back, I, th- I am thankful for my parents and for the friends that surrounded me their friends, who always allowed me to sit in on conversations. They never said to me, Peter, you must, you're a child. You must go to mm. bed. They said, sit here as long as you like. Just don't talk. Listen. Um, I'd listen for about 20 minutes and go and listen to Springbok Radio, you know, Mark <laughs> Saxon and all those serials. And I think my roots were very much in, in the comfort zone of family life. And to this day, I, st- I still think... Everything starts with family. If we're looking at reconciliation in our country, we start with family. It all starts at home. And I encourage children to talk to their parents, knowing that their parents are sometimes too scared to talk to their children. Mm. Any siblings? I have a sister, Tessa, and she's another pianist. I, I, all these pianists um, living in London, working there. And uh, 
it's always nice to know that there's a, another balance in my family. She's got also a great sense of humor and a very good actress. We used to do some shows together in the old days. One show was called Ice Creams with Hot Chocolate Sauce. And Toko <laughs> and Chinga joined us and was the hot chocolate sauce mm. in the days when it was illegal for black people to act on stage with white people. Isn't that crazy? When you say that it, to it people is. today, when you say to children today, they say, yes. well, I'm in Darling with my kids, with my community kids. And uh, we have the Darling Trust, which has a, a piano school. Uh, and every term we do a little concert so that little hojas can do what they've learned for their mothers and their grannies. And I sit there with the kids and, and I, have a, I have a display of things that make you smile or laugh or cry about where we come from. Some of them are the apartheid signs. It's a little museum, or I call it a nauseam. And there's one small little sign that says whites only. And this little girl, she's nine. She sits next to me while we're waiting for one of the kiddies to go to the toilet before they play the piano. She says, Peter, what's that sign? Except it says whites only. Yeah, man, I can read. <laughs> what is what is where is that from? I said it's an apartheid sign. No, oh, it's so small. I said yes, that was on, on a park bench. Oh, that was on a park bench. So that park bench meant that only white people could sit on the park bench. I said, yeah. So a colored person like me can't sit on the bench. I said no, because of the sign. I said yeah. Who's going to stop me? I said no, darling. You're in a democracy. You can sit anywhere you like, but don't forget. Not so long ago, me and your parents couldn't sit on that bench because of that sign. She said, was that apartheid? Hell, you people were mad. Isn't that interesting? It is. We were mad. Mm. And apartheid was stupid, but people died. Let us never underestimate how powerful words, the K word, for example, mm. can be to destroy somebody's dignity. And I would like so much for us to diffuse words of the from of the power of destruction. Words are descriptive. Words are not weapons. And that's my comedy. You know, my comedy is more the humor of taking that weapon of humor and making you forget that you're laughing at something you don't want to think about. And and, and you've really been greatly successful at that. But as we build up to that, what were you like at school? Do you know, I was a very nice little boy. It was a clean, nice. Dance, I was blonde <laughs> and I was pretty and I was... Very frightened, I suppose. I thought that's the way we were. You didn't ask questions. Uh, people kept on saying, you know, or in English, are you trying to be funny? And you want to say yes desperately <laughs> all my life. And I, I, I think I liked school. I don't remember much, but I do remember listening to the radio. Do you know why I so love radio? First of all, the pictures are better than TV. Your imagination yeah. grows and... My imagination was schooled by the most wonderful programs, uh, stories and, and drama and comedy. I didn't understand half the comedy because they brought it from Britain. But it sounded funny. And the laughter on, on radio made me laugh. Under my duvet, listening to my radio with a little bat not batteries, it slid those valves. You know those old radios that got very hot? No, I no, can't darling, do before it. your time. <laughs> and we, I wasn't allowed to listen to the radio at night. My pa said, slap, you must work. Um, I could have set the house on fire, but I listened to that radio under the blankets. And, and I played my records. I had my little seven singles, music, movie music, went to the movies, discovered the beauty of Sophia Loren. Because when I was a little boy, you know, Hendrik Verwurt was my hero because that's the brainwash we had at school and at church. And I put him on the wall because I was Ons father. And then I found that Sophia Loren had better legs than the architect of apartheid. So he <laughs> fell off the wall and Sophia stayed on the wall. So she <laughs> saved my life. But then, you know, at what point 
did this awakening happen to you that we were mad during those apartheid years, that things were not right? I don't know when it happened. I can assure you it certainly did not happen when I was a kid because I thought this is the way it went. Nobody told us that there were people kept on saying, but, you know, the British started apartheid and, of course, the, the, the Nazis and all that and, and the Americans. And um, that was it. There was no radio that was actually informing us. It was very controlled, as we know. Television came that was controlled. Newspapers were controlled. Um, eventually, when I went to university... Uh, to get a degree to fall back on. Do they still say that? Mm-hmm. They should say get a degree to fall forward on. It was always <laughs> that retreat mentality. And the theater hijacked me. I suddenly decided I wanted to do drama just because I fell in love with a drama student. She wore a beautiful beret and a cigarette holder, and I thought, hell, I want to look like that also. And, you know, once I got involved with theater, and when you study drama, which is based on man's inhumanity to man, and you suddenly realize, hey, my life is wrong. How come at the University of Cape Town, where we allowed a few black students in those days, the tokens, and you do a session at, at drama school with this young black uh, uh, South African, and it's a Im- incredibly intimate, you're playing two brothers in a play. But when you leave, there's nowhere to go together. You can't drink together. You can't have a restaurant together. You can't sleep together. You can do nothing together. So who's right? Is apartheid right? Or is what I'm learning about the experience of life, right? So immediately I started trying to find a way to balance my fear of trying to find the truth. Humor helped me immensely. The moment you can laugh at the people you're frightened of and make them suddenly realize that you are in charge of your fear, it makes them think twice. It was a process. Now, of course, I look back on 40 years and I can answer those questions now. Mm -hmm. Yes, it happened when I was at the Space Theater in Cape Town where we broke the laws. We were allowing black and white people to sit together and and act together. The censor board banned my plays. I trapped them with their own law by making up swear words that sounded really shocking, like, ooh, genots, krots. I mean, it sounds really bad. <laughs> and then they banned the play and they said, that's an obscene word. And I said, um, what betekened it? What does it mean? Of course, it wasn't in the dictionary. And so I said, I made that up. Well, what does it mean? I said, I'm not telling you. Laughter. The moment people started laughing, you could actually handle it. Uh, so it's been a long process. And listen, I'm a work in process. Mm-hmm. At the moment, I'm still learning where to actually focus my, my target so that you come to my show as I'm doing at the market now with Adapt or Fly last night, I had a wonderful rainbow audience, young students who are just in university for the first time, and they had never seen me before. You know, they thought that Evita was real. They didn't realize that there's a secret, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and they had a great time when I did P.W. Buerta. They'd never seen him or heard of him. Suddenly they realized he'd been there as well. Of course, I do Nelson Mandela, and I will always be allowed to make fun of Nelson Mandela because he encouraged me. He kept on saying to me, oh, Peter, you must do us. It's mm-hmm. very, very good. Give us hell, you know. Mm-hmm. And his sense of humor actually focused us all on the fact that reconciliation meant that we laugh together at the things that we can't really confront. Um, and the man's legacy will enrich the rest of my life and I hope everybody else's lives. But tell me, were you never scared? You know, wasn't there a point where you were scared as to where this could potentially land you? I was always scared. You know, that was, in fact, the legacy of white South Africa, is we were ruled by fear because everything we were told was opas. You must do what you're told. You know, always God will punish you. God is angry. 
I don't believe that at all. God is the best friend I've ever had in my life. She or he. It's not relevant what the genders. I don't have to explain the inspiration that I feel. But when I started doing these one-man shows for the first time in 1981, which was actually at the Market Theatre, it was the only theatre that allowed me to do Adapt or Die in those years. I did it as a late-night show purely because I felt I just needed to, to get some ex- expression of my discomfort and the fact that I knew we were doing wrong things. Mm. I didn't know exactly how to put it into words, and that's where the characters come from. Pete Kurno with his big ears. I remember Make Pete fun Kurno. of him. Make fun of <laughs> Pete Kurno. Thank you very much. Bye, Yanki. <laughs> Bibi Buta. As far as I'm concerned. But doing him while he was in power. And I think because I used anarchy in my work, I confused the security police. I confused the government. Yes, but there's Evita Besaynet. But is she real? Who is she? He's not allowed to wear women's clothing. My hell, a bloody moy You know, And you just made them go mad. You made them have heart attacks and die. And so once I realized that if you actually do your homework and study the laws that they are using to shut you up, You can be cleverer than them. I say this to the kids today. You study the Protection of State Information Act. They will use it to shut you up. But they don't do their homework. The politicians don't actually know where their power lies. And that's what a democracy gives us. We can get that power and use it as well. Peter Dirk Ace, uh, that's who we have uh, in our studio this morning. And, of course, people want to get in on this conversation. 891 is the number to dial. And, of course, you can also tweet us at AMLive on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. Alternatively, send us an SMS to 34701. You're getting a lot of love here. Uh, Matuba Malachi says, uh, please send my love to Tani Evita. I, I will do as soon as I see her. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tebza Mashiko says, uh, ooh, what a way of Finishing the week, I'm laughing non-stop. Llewellyn Bell also sends his greeting. Goeiemorgen, Oom Peter. Absolutely enjoying this conversation. What a break from all the troubles of good old South Africa. And uh, Julius Nkosi, um, I just passed him. There he is. Julius Nkosi says, wow, thanks for hosting our greatest satirist on the show today. Tell him I'm smitten with Tani Evita. Do you get that a lot from guys? Is, 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 does she have a lot of trouble? Do you have a lot of trouble, you know, keeping all of these guys away from her? No, no. Listen, if they can find her, they can have her. <laughs> <laughs> you see, the thing about Evita is she was not meant to be um, an icon or an icon, depending how you see her. <laughs> I mean, she started as a character in the show Adapt or Die in 1981, but she came at the right time. Suddenly, people needed... Uh, an image to laugh with and because she was a member of the National Party she was in fact my enemy I mean I used to write letters to the Minister of Police on her letterhead she had a pink letterhead which I sprayed with perfume so it smelled like Tani and she wrote to Adrian Flock and she said Adrian you're the Minister of Police Peter Turkes is a communist and a terrorist he's making fun of us lock him up and you know what he wrote back Adrian he wrote, wrote back, back to Evita. May live Evita. Thank you for your lovely letter. Unfortunately, we can't lock up Peter Dirk Ace because our jails are full of everyone else. <laughs> and you know what it taught me? Do not underestimate your target. They will always have a sense of humor. A Absolutely. very important lesson. Even the people you think are stupid are not stupid. Politicians don't get there because they're stupid. They get there because we're stupid. Well, and, of, and of course, Tani Evita now has got a Twitter account, you know, it's at Tani Evita, 74,000 followers. Yeah. I think they're all in the same prison outside Rustenburg. But anyway, you can always <laughs> tell her that you love her. She's very happy.
Well, Tani Vita, Peter Dirk Ace is with me this morning. And uh, let's take some calls on 089-104-208. And uh, Vanessa, are you calling us from Cape Town? Good morning. Morning. I'm phoning from Somerset West. Peter, we were at uh, Evita Saperon 10 years ago today. Yes. Uh, celebrating my mother's 80th birthday. Yes. And you were so sweet because in the show you were taking a call from Madiba. Yes, yes. And then, and then suddenly you said, what was that? Oh, oh, you want to wish Thora a happy birthday. <laughs> yes. So you gave my mum a message from Madiba on her 80th birthday. Oh, that's great. And I'm today glad. today we are celebrating her 90th birthday. Oh, my goodness. So when I heard your voice this morning, I thought, oh, man, that is so special because it's exactly years ago today that you wished her from Nelson Mandela. Well, thank you. And tell her that he probably wishes her a happy 90th birthday as well. Sure. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so much, Vanessa. Let's go to, uh, well, we're staying in Cape Town this morning. Uh, Janus, good morning. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Peter, yeah. Peter or Evita, do you, which, which of the names you like the best? Well, Peter is, but, is okay. Evita's in the boot of the car, so Peter's fine. <laughs> you can talk okay, to me. Okay, Peter. I, my name is Janus. I came from Poland, from the communist dictatorship. The similar situation as an apartheid, in, uh, perhaps, as you know that. So, uh, in, I, I, I'm, as I said, I'm Polish, I'm not pianist, uh, I don't play piano, unfortunately, so not all the Polish play piano, uh, but uh, you know what, my point is that I agree with you, the family is the most important factor in our lives, you know, and uh, because of that I created the, the Family Applied Program, which we, we support all the people from the, all the sectors, of all the colors, all, all the religions, the family is very, very important, and I was in the, your place, darling, but you were not there, how... I, I was waiting for you. Anyway, your joke is fantastic. Uh, we love you all, all much and uh, uh, continue. But uh, uh, what do you think about present situation? We, we, cre- we criticize the apartheid. Don't you think we got a similar now when uh, the government is trying to divide us according to the color? Do you know, it's a very interesting question. I mean, have, does history repeat itself and take tragedy and turn it into farce? I don't think so. You know, I think in South Africa, history doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes from apartheid to tripartite, from Amandla to Inkandla. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. All the best to you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, let's move along. Let's go to Solly, who's also in Cape Town. Morning, Solly. But, but uh, you you just caught me off guard there. You know the, the, this apartheid, uh, uh, the, the the fact that history rhymes. Uh, you know, uh, but, but how do you come up with all these things that you say? Do you well, sit and you know write it down, or does it just come to you? I've always said I really don't write my material. The government of the day does. The, uh, the apartheid government wrote me incredible material. I mean, who could make up P. W. Boerta? Puck Boerta, Fani Boerta, Boerta Lazy. I mean, really, truly, it was a gift. <laughs> then the homeland nonsense, where you cross the border into an independent homeland, but you don't need a visa, just a visa card, because you go to the casino and gamble, which you're not allowed to do in the garage back home. So the madness of what politicians do is the material I really thrive on, except it's very important that I keep the balance of 49% anger, 51% entertainment. It's all very serious stuff, you know. Mm. It's not just, apartheid was never a joke. But the hypocrisy that surrounded apartheid was very funny. My character, Noel Fine, my kugel, you know, my kugel, who used to say during those years, I mean, she was a white liberal, and she said, there are two things I can't stand about South Africa, apartheid and the blacks. 
Now that's bloody crazy. But you know how many people said, oh, you know, that hurts me because unfortunately that's terribly true. I want a party to go. I want black people to live where they like, but not next to me. You know, so that's where the jokes are. Um, I can't tell the jokes. I have to tell the truth. But the truth can be funnier than the well, joke. And, and, and absolutely loving it this morning. But your relationship with Madiba. Mm. Now, that started before Madiba actually came out of prison. Yes, it was extraordinary. I would get messages from him through Mrs. Mandela, through Winnie. And Winnie, I've always had a very soft spot for Winnie, who just had her birthday. Um, You know, she is an extraordinary South African. I mean, she's not white people's cup of tea, but our taste of tea is not that relevant anymore. I mean, I respect her extraordinary journey. She had a really long, long uh, walk to to freedom. Um, And when... She was in Brantford when she was in Soweto. I would get messages. I would get Christmas cards from her saying, Nelson sends his love. Nelson says, carry on. And I mean, that really was, I did not know him. I did not. I knew his writings because I'd read them overseas. I remember having smuggled a picture of Nelson Mandela back into South Africa. I was so poop scared at the customs that, have you got any pornography in your bag? And I gave them one of my own plays that had been banned. And they confiscated <laughs> my play as pornography. And they, you know, my Madiba picture. Your play as pornography. Yes, it was on the list of pornographic literature. Because I, atta- because I attacked apartheid. And I called, <laughs> I, I used words like poop and cock, you know, and that was pornography. <laughs> um, but it was, and then Nelson Mandela, you know, uh, I tried to take a play to him while he was still in jail. And it was very hard. They kept on writing to me saying, first of all, there's nobody here by that name. I'm afraid there's nobody locked up by that name. Eventually they said, no, Mr. Mandela is busy. And so eventually when he was free and there he was out of jail, I met him about four months after he came out of jail in a queue at a school in in Milnerton in Cape Town. He was there. Pause right there because I want to hear this in its entirety. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. My name is Evita Poseidonet, and you wouldn't believe this, but I have done what Charlize Theron has done. She has adopted a little African-American boy called uh, Jackson, and I have adopted my little sweetheart here. His name is also with a J. He's from Limpopo, from Porukwane, and his name is Johannes, after my husband, Wamahasi. And I have adopted him because why not? There are so many young people that need love. And I have much love to give. And Shami was lonely. He, he doesn't have a place to stay now. And he hasn't got a family or relatives that want him. They expelled him from the family. And so now I'm going to look after him. Because I think, you know, we don't need a crystal ball to see what is going to happen to South Africa tomorrow. I would like to thank the Speaker of Parliament, Dr. Freni Jean Walla, for allowing me my freedom of speech and your freedom of choice. <laughs> So that I could come and address you today on a few very, very important realities in all our lives. Liva Arda, I never thought I would stand here looking at you wearing a duke. <laughs> at least in the old days we wore very, very big hats, which was very fashionable. But then again, you must remember, I've been in this parliament long, long before any of you have. Most of you were still in jail or in exile. I am now looking after President Mandela's catering. As you know, I have put the recipe for baboti in your uh, kitchens. Do you still have my baboti here? Or was that top horse for him? Near. Work in baboti. And it's very, very important to look after the most famous man, not only in the world, but certainly in the century of statesmanship, Nelson Mandela. 
Desmond Tutu was the first black person I did in my show. <laughs> because I never did black people in my show in the 1980s because I wasn't a black people. Until Desmond Tutu came to me and he said, why am I not in your show? <laughs> It's so nice to do a man who wears a dress. <laughs>of you've just tuned in. We're in conversation this morning with uh, Tani Evita Vesadenote. Peter Dirk Ace. I'm also not sure at which point who's here. But, you know, we're having great fun with it. And I'm glad to see from your messages that you are having equally as much fun with this interview this morning. Uh, Before I get back to you, um, uh, just some of the messages. Abdul and Fishuk says, uh, Peter, rather known as Evita, is a very warm and spontaneous character and I met him, or is it her, in a queue at a banking hall. Um, uh, Danny, if PW was Khruat Crocodile, what is JZ? What is JZ? Not the Khruat Crocodile. I think he is the Khruat Bull. Oh, okay. It rhymes, you see. You did say it all rhymes. Uh, this one from D says, um, Evita for president. Um, Makaputu in KZN says, we love you, Tani Evita. And uh, so many love messages coming through for you. Uh, another one here from um, uh, Unsigned, rather, says, as a teenager, we were so scared of the Nats, uh, though we thought we would go to jail if we said anything. So, you know, obviously there were many... Uh, people who felt that way at the time. But before we were so rudely interrupted uh, by some of the necessities that <laughs> yes. need to happen, you were telling us about uh, your meeting with Madiba. The first meeting a few months after he came out of jail, or would I rephrase that a few months after he freed us from our jail of prejudice and fear. There was a queue of people, emotional pe- people who had been waiting for him all their lives. And there he sat in a chair and suddenly I was right in the front of the queue and he saw me and he gave me this incredible smile and he stood up and he opened his arms and said, Ah, Peter Dirk is, where is Evita? And I thought, oh God, I hope you know. <laughs> and you know, he used Evita wherever he could. And I said to him, wherever you can, yes, when there was a, a party or a celebration and Evita was there and even with Oprah Winfrey sitting next to him and the Queen of Holland on the other side and Bill Clinton with Madiba in the middle, nudging them into laughter. <laughs> Um, he has always used his sense of humor, um, even allowing Evita to interview him on the Funny Galore series. I remember And that, that was extraordinary because he used that program because when I said, as we were sitting down and being mic'd up, me all in my hara and snara, with him saying, oh, Evita, you look so beautiful. I said to him, thank you for allowing uh, Evita to talk to you, President Mandela. He said, no, Peter, I, uh, have, I want to be on Evita's show. Because I've got important things to say and nobody watches the news. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> Taking a light, frothy little program in which he could give a message to the police as a New Year message. The genius of the man. So that's the inspiration, you know. And he's just always said to me, you go ahead and do it. So that's what I'm doing. Did he actually eat your cook sisters? Or oh, he always, I always gave him cook sisters. And when you look on Facebook you can, or on YouTube, you can see that interview that Evita had with him where she says... Did you enjoy the Cook Sisters that I gave you? And he talks about Cook Sisters and how he loves Cook Sisters. It's a beautiful interview. Do you actually make them yourself? Or do you buy them? Oh, Oh, please. Evita cooks. I can't cook. (laughs) I can't cook. But I I like the occasional Cook Sister you are. Okay. And uh, let's just go back to the lines. 891 Solly's in Cape Town. Good morning, Solly. 
morning, uh, Sakina, and morning, Peter. Hi, How you've changed our life. You know, I remember you from the early days in Limpopo when you were around and giving us all this when we couldn't even sit and listen to anybody. Forget Springbok Radio. You were the king of them all, and you still <laughs> are. You've really, really changed our lives, and you brought so much love humor and comedy that we you just can't wait i mean there's not a show of yours i haven't seen you know and you inspire our opera winfrey so much sakina that yesterday she really pulled the envelope to the height you know when she said do we deserve a better leadership and i said by nine o'clock she won't have a joke <laughs> and here she totally changed it and said leadership in the home you know so you see how you inspire her too right? oh that's great thank <laughs> but Peter, from those days in Limpopo and the days here and now when we watch you at Kems Bay and everywhere it's honestly an absolute pleasure to have you around you are truly our first citizen uh, thank you my friend I appreciate that very much Sakina, you, you keep it up and push the envelope but Fridays are beautiful like. thank you thank you so much Solly Anthony and Krugersdorp good morning Peter, I've always so enjoyed and appreciated your contribution to attending apartheid because it exemplifies what Peter Ustinov said, and you're probably aware of this. Humor is just a funny way of being serious. That's and lovely. What, and what you shared with us is that racism, in inverted commas, is not only morally and legally repugnant, it's just plain bloody ridiculous, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Bye. thank you. Thank you. Absolutely very important. Laughing at the things that you think you can't solve and you find a way of, of pushing them out of your vision and moving on with your life. Mm. And, and, and uh, here's an SMS. Um, says, uh, Vita, do you still remember your son's name? Well, Vita's son's name is Dukok and her other son's name is Izan. Yeah. Izan. And you know, when I started the Evita story in 1981, people said, does she have children? And I thought, quit. And I created, she had twin sons. <laughs> twin sons. Dukok, who wanted to be a ballet dancer, no? and Izan. And of course, when you write the name Izan and you hold it in a mirror, it says Nazi. Uh, and I was inspired, actually, by somebody very high up in the SABC whose son was called Izan. So at the time, when use those little pinpricks to just mm-hmm. get in everywhere. And, of course, Evita's now got three little grandchildren, um, and they are her inspiration. What are their names? Uh, Winnie Jean Makulueli, Nelson Ignatius Makulueli, <laughs> and Latoya Osavania Makulueli. I get Winnie and Nelson and Latoya. Latoya Osavania. Osavania was Evita's <laughs> mother's name. Osavania Kakabina Pohrenpo. <laughs> But, you know, we were listening to the news just now because you were saying, where do you get your material from? There were two newscasts. First of all, the first thing about the Dalai Lama. And you suddenly think, but that's a sketch, you know. If the ANC say, we are going to rule till Jesus Christ comes back, he won't come back because the ANC won't give him a visa. Mm-hmm. So that's a sketch in itself. And then uh, Mbeti in Parliament, when you suddenly think, oh, my gosh, what an extraordinary moment that was. There were these red hard hats and the red berets and the red overalls. And making such a noise that you are going to keep all those ANC bookies awake for the rest of the session because they can't sleep now. You see, the humor is always there. You've got to just find that balance. Uh, are you disappointed that the Dalai Lama is not coming? I think it's outrageous. It's just, first of all, the, com- the Constitution protects our freedom of expression. Not allowing him to come to this country is not allowing us our freedom of expression to welcome him here. We, we decide that. Government does not decide that. But you see, 
It's not government who decides that. It's somebody in Beijing. So we have got to know that we are actually the small cousins of the big mistress living in China. Ridiculous. You know, there you are. There history repeats itself. And it takes tragedy and turns it into something absurd. Um, that's why we've got the freedom of speech to laugh. And in my mm-hmm. show at the, at the market, come and enjoy the fact that we are laughing at all this nonsense. And tell me, who would you most like to meet today? Do you know, I would love to meet Hillary Clinton. I think she's absolutely fascinating. I would love to meet the president of Liberia. I think she's a remarkable woman. The terrible reality of Ebola, which again chills me, knowing that the prejudice has taken over. I mean, not so long ago, every gay man was HIV positive, had the HIV virus. Now every black person has got Ebola. You know how the fear just takes common sense out of the the equation here. So there, um, I, would, I would like to actually also meet Vladimir Putin and see if he's got a bloody sense of humor, but I want to do it on Skype. I don't want to sit in the same room with him. Because <laughs> no, that bloody bu- hey, smiles, I'm afraid, man. He's too butch for me. I can't handle it. Um, but, you know, also I want to meet some of the, and I meet them all the time. I meet people in my community. I meet grandmothers who are looking after six children because they don't have parents. I look at children of 12 looking after children of nine. I just think we are such an incredible country and with a great spirit of compassion, the majority of South Africans are good people and the majority of our politicians are good politicians. They're working so damn hard to keep us balanced, otherwise we'd be Syria today. And it's the fraught ones that are on the front pages. And for goodness sake, <laughs> let us take them out of that job, you know, give them a pension and kick them into the corner where they can be out of the way. So I have no sentiment about them at all. And how do you feel about Robert Mugabe? Haven't you tried well, to Well, I don't think he's a, you know, I think Robert Mugabe died years ago. I mean, it's you know, I think they are clones. They are Robert Mugabe <laughs> clones. Oh, come on, if Meryl Streep could look like Margaret Thatcher, any old wine steward could look like Robert Mugabe. I'm more nervous about her. Mrs. Mugabe worries me. I mean, if she can go and join a university in March and get a degree in June, I mean, that she's a powerful lady. What has she got that we haven't got, eh? <laughs> Let me read some of the SMSs coming through. Um, this one says, Peter, I look forward to seeing you in your Dalai Lama outfit. That's from Zapiro. Uh, yes. and, and, and seeing that that is from Zapiro, what's your take? On satirist today. Well, let me first say Zapiro is the greatest inspiration that I celebrate every day, that this amazing artist, this amazing South African, can take the most difficult punchlines and subjects and pain and turn it into something that you actually look at it and you go, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> uh, it is extraordinary. Um, and again, he's another example of our freedom of expression that we must protect with everything we have. Today, satirists, you know, satire is something that is in the eye of the beholder. I never call myself that. I call myself an entertainer. But satire today is a dangerous minefield. And many of our young pol- uh, political commentators in comedy, that's what I call them. Mm-hmm. I have two friends, young friends in comedy who are great. The one looks just like Malema. The other one looks like Jacob Zuma when the lights on bright. And I say to them, why aren't you doing them? And they say, hey, man, I want to be a millionaire before I'm 26 years old. I'm not going to offend the ANC because I won't get corporate bookings. I won't get TV shows. And I say to them, okay, that's your decision. If you're going to self-censor yourself, then you really truly will do what you have to do there. But if you want to really make a difference to your own conscience and your own sense of being a Democrat, you've got to be prepared to lose your life. I mean, there were times that I knew that if I 
really didn't run fast, they would catch me. So you've got to run fast. And sometimes in high heels, that's very mm-hmm. hard, you know. And uh, some of the other SMSs, uh, Gerald from East London sends us one saying, just to thank you for being a courageous mirror of the ridiculousness of our past. I'm reminded of a conversation with the late uh, Danny Feltzhasen, uh, who was a pastor. He said, when you preach, you need to get folk to smile so you can punch them in the teeth without hurting their lips. And Peter, <laughs> you have honed that skill to a fine art, and I salute you. Another one says, uh, Peter, do you understand the fears uh, Afrikaners had? And without denying the terrible pain some people experience, would you not agree that those old Afrikaner leaders weren't that bad? Look, the whole point of looking back at a history is to realize that nobody is that bad. They are just monstrous when they are called Adolf Hitler. And when they come out of a Christian civilized society like most of our Afrikaner leaders did, who were very decent people. I met some of them. I was a little boy who was a fan of Hendrik Vervoort. I was a fan of Advocates, C.R. Swat, who was the president. And when I was, I think I was nine, they, they took me with them on the white train from Cape Town to Belleville and gave me an ice cream. I mean, today that would be locked up in jail for, for abusing a child. But, you know, I, <laughs> the, point is, the point is the monstrousness in, in bad politics and in, in, in manslaughter comes from people who are ordinary people. And that's what I have to reflect, that all those leaders in the past were first human beings, and then they became the political monsters that they were. Um, And they had families that loved them. And they still have people today who say to me, you know, I get very upset when you you demean and abuse them. And I say, listen, I don't demean anybody. I just try and present to the people today what we went through then. Um, and it's very important to make the young South Africans realize that they've got to know where we come from so we can celebrate where we are going. Oh, absolutely. This one says, Darling Peter, lovely to hear you. Yes, I remember the constant underlying fear and the way you could puncture it. Else, Tani, older than you. That's from Else there. And then uh, Greg in Port Elizabeth says, uh, Morning, SK. I'm having a cracking time. So good for the soul. Please say hello to Tani Evita. I don't know why Peter is keeping Tani in the boot. Why are you abusing Tani, Peter? I, I can't abuse Tani. I mean, I, please, she is, she's a very powerful creature. Just because she doesn't exist doesn't mean she's not real. <laughs> and you know, the extraordinary thing is that I have sometimes, right in the beginning, I thought I could use Evita to publicize what I've done, what Peter Gays has done, and it doesn't work. You know, she doesn't like me. She thinks I'm a She thir- doesn't like you. She thinks I'm a third-rate comedian. Um it's let me give it to you in her words. Yeah, you know, it's always so... I don't understand why people will say to me, Tani Vita, what about Peter Dirk Ace? I mean, do you enjoy the fun he makes um, at your expense? May Scott, I haven't got time to look at nonsense. Do you know, that this comedian, how old is he now? He's now nearly 70 years old. He still wears dresses which I don't like. I think it's very un-Afrikaans for men to wear our women's dresses. Sisters, Arklich. But, you know, in a democracy, you must allow these things to happen. Um, I just I don't like his comedy. I think it is very, very rude. Um, uh, he makes me look fat. And, you know, I just stay away from, from what he says. Uh, and I really think that I have got a very important um, calling. My little grandchildren say to me, Gogo. What are you going to do to protect democracy so that one day when we need to vote, it still be there? And so that's why I'm a member of the African National Congress. 
I'm here not as a member. I'm speaking here purely as in a personal capacity. You know, I'm not like the Speaker of Parliament that keeps on protecting the party. But I said to Gwadi Mantashe, Gwadi Mantashe, I said to him the other day, I said, you know, Gwadi, and you know, he's always in Lutuli House. Gwadi Mantashe never leaves his office because if he leaves Lutuli House, he knows they won't let him back in. And I said to him, Gwadi... I really believe that we in the African National Congress must focus on one thing and one thing alone, and that is the education of not just our children, but every citizen in this country to know that in democracy the people must lead and the government can follow. Mm, why wouldn't they let Greta back in? You must ask him. He's bang. <laughs> Here's a few more. Brian Kumalo in Peter Maritzburg says, good laughter this morning and we need it a lot. Thank you so much. Uh, Frank Max says, Peter Ace, I feel guilty and now very, very sorry that I thought you are A.P. Freiter. You are not. Does that make sense to you? No, but it sounds something I could use in a show. <laughs> well, I hope I'm not what he said I am, but it sounds interesting. <laughs> This one says, thanks for just being you, Peter Dirk Ace. And Angus and Platt says, Peter Dirk deserves a Nobel Peace Prize. Um, we probably oh, Then uh, I'll probably have to stay away from South Africa because I can't get a visa. Thank you for saying <laughs> it. I almost said it. <laughs> and then, of course, Sim, Sim says, Cho, baie dankie, Tani. The groot crocodile. What a great show. And then... Hold on, there's a question here. Let me just find it very quickly from uh, Tsepiso Makwena, who said, could you please ask Peter, how does he choose his characters? Do they clash sometimes? And I think you've answered that in part, saying that Evita doesn't like you very much. But Evita's fashion sense, where does that come from? Or is that... Are you to blame for that? Well, she has to look good. I mean, the point of Evita is I've got to do her with with dignity. I've got to do her as real as possible so the women recognize the woman and the men forget the man. Do you know when I do her outside the theater, when she suddenly is there in a, in a, in a public place, I've got to be so careful because the women look at the shoes. If the shoes really look cuck, you've lost them. You've lost the people. Women don't... No, listen, I'm wearing my, 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 my Crocs now. Um, <laughs> but when Evita doesn't wear expensive, beautiful shoes, and I mean, look at the beautiful style that we have in this country, especially among black women. They are so stylish, and they're so beautiful, and they w- manage to walk in these unbelievable high heels because it's a status symbol. So, I mean, Evita's got to have that as well. So my job is to keep my tummy in and to be on a diet for her. Okay. Okay. Uh, Yane is calling from Pulukwane. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina. What a fre- what the other brother fresh air. This man shone the light in the dark days. He's still shining the light today. Evita, tell them what's written behind the toilet door in Sun City. I lost my lungs out. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thank Thanks you, my friend. Bye bye. <laughs> what's written behind that door? <laughs> you know, there's, I think I found behind that door in the toilet in Sun City the words, hypocrisy is the Vaseline of political intercourse. And that's so damn true. <laughs> TV Forza on Twitter says, I was privileged to watch Adapt or Fly on Wednesday, and what a brilliant show it is. Peter is a phenomenal South African. And Bonga Mbogazi says, just a sigh of relief because Evita is in the house. Let's temporarily move away from all the rest of South African politics and just laugh. So you are well loved. But before I let you go, you love someone as well. I love someone as well. So I was told. 
some Italian lady, Sophia oh, Loren. Oh, my beautiful Sophia Loren, who turned 80 years old on Saturday. What did you do for her? I phoned her. She was in, she was in Mexico City celebrating her birthday. You know, we talk a lot. I mean, she... Uh, it's a wonderful on a Sunday afternoon when I'm at home and I have an answering machine. I always have an answering machine and suddenly the phone rings and then a voice says, Hello, Peter. Hello, darling. This is Sophia. I'm in Geneva. Phone me. And, you know, she's been my friend since the mid-60s when I was a little 16-year-old and I was in Rome and I found her apartment and I left a letter for her. And, you know, she wrote back. She, this great star, managed to find the time to write back to a fan in Cape Town. And she's just been a great inspiration on so many levels, but just the friendship of this extraordinary woman. Um, yeah, I love her, and I am very grateful that there are so many wonderful inspirations in my life. Besides my parents and my sister, there is Sophia Loren and Madiba. And yeah, every South African that has just said they like what I do. Thank you. And here's just one to cap it all. Uh, Siegfried Hanning, Sigin Randberg says... What would South Africa be without Dani Evita? And I think many of us echo that particular sentiment. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, um, I hope you come to see me. I'm oh, at definitely. The, I'm at the market theater till the 26th of October uh, with Adapt or Fly. That's 33 years after Adapt or Die. And uh, it's uh, Tuesday to Saturday and Sunday, a three o'clock show, which means bring your grandchildren and then you can answer their questions in the car. On the way Are home. your grandkids going to be there? I don't have grandkids. I've got cats. Vita's grandchildren will probably be there, but my cats, they they know what I do. They don't come to the theater. Well, thank you so much for blessing us with your presence here this morning, Peter Dirk Ace. And here's something especially for you. went back to Napoli Because she missed the scenery The native dances and the charming songs but wait a minute, something's wrong. Hey, mambo, mambo italiano. Hey, mambo, mambo italiano. Go, go, go. You mixed up Sigiliano. All you calabrese do the mambo like a crazy with a hey, mambo. Well, I hope you like that. I love it. I love it. Mambo Italiano. Bravo, well, bravo. Thank you once again for coming through. Thank you. And of course, to all of you who participate every day so fantastically, much appreciated. And to the production team for holding it all together and making sure it goes out loud and clear. Have a fantastic weekend.